0: Thank you for listening to This Is Your Normal. I am your host, Bob Oms. Happiness, normalcy, are they related? Do you think you could be happy for 365 days? In this episode, we will hear from author Paris Edwards and learn more about his book, 365 Days of Happiness. Paris was raised in the inner city of Toledo, Ohio. He's a former college Division I athlete, attended Miami University, and a 2010 graduate with a bachelor's in family studies. After his dream of playing in the NFL did not go as planned, he was at his lowest point in his life. It was through his temporary defeat that he discovered his greatest strength and true passion for inspiring others with his testimony. Paris is now employed as a full-time firefighter paramedic with Toledo Fire and Rescue Department. In addition to, he's a Toledo Public Schools substitute teacher, motivational speaker, mentor, and author. He has numerous ways to spread his gift. He plans to change the world one day at a time using his blessings to bless others. He believes that serving others is the greatest blessing there is, and by doing so, you attract what you give. He has dedicated his life to serve by his own motto, become more to give more. Thank you again for listening, and please enjoy this episode of This Is Your Normal. Hello, Paris Edwards. Thank you for joining me today. How are you this morning?
1: I'm great, Bob. How are you this morning?
0: Oh, things things are pretty good. You have a book uh, that's very excellent. You're an author, as I mentioned in the introduction to you. Uh, it's called 365 Days of Happiness. And when I'm reading this book, it definitely hit a core with me as I'm going through this process, uh, talking to different people about what normal is. I instantly start thinking, huh, If something's not normal, is it possible to be happy? And right away, I start thinking about you and your book. So here we are. Uh, I think we are going to have a great conversation in regards to what is normal and how does it relate to happiness? absolutely so welcome here we are and tell me everything you know right now
1: (laughs) yeah put me right on the spot right off the bat uh
0: well we can we can try to ease into it a little bit (laughs) but uh let's just let's just go right let's just start right there i mean what is your first thought if if i say paris something's not normal with me do you automatically think i'm unhappy or what what goes on in your head when you hear something's not normal
1: well, first of all, thanks for um, reading my book. Thanks for having me on here today. You're very uh, definitely welcome. Hon- definitely honored. Uh, the first thing I kind of think of when something's not normal, I, I don't think that someone's unhappy. I just think that what someone is used to is being put out of order. Mm. So we're, we're creatures of habits, and we can inherit our normal. So, you know, whatever situation you grew up in, in a household growing up, whether you are in a single-parent household or you have both parents, whether you have siblings or you didn't, whether you lived in a projects, whether you live in the suburbs, your, your baseline and your normalcy is going to be how you grew up. So you're going to inherit your normal. Mm-hmm. And then once you become older, you know, specifically the teen years, you're going to start realizing that people live different than you. Mm. So then you're going to start becoming an independent thinker and saying what you want, what do you want to be your normal? And then you're going to start striving for that. And then you're going to start comparing, you're going to start comparing your life and comparing your life can be the thief of happiness. Mm. So if something's not normal to you, one is based on what was your normalcy? What did you inherit? But then also where you are, but then also where you want to be. So there's three conflicting normalcies, if that makes sense. Absolutely. So are you, are you not happy with how you were raised? or Do you want better per se? Or are you not happy with where you are and you're more focused on where you want to be? Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing I think of is, you know, normalcy is perception. So when, so- when someone says something is not normal or they don't feel normal, you got to find out what they're trying to, what are they comparing that to? Mm -hmm. Are they comparing that to what they used to be or what they want to be, or they just don't like where they are? Yeah.
0: I, I, I like where you're going with this already. Uh, (laughs) um, (laughs) So, so we're automatically not thinking, okay, uh, it doesn't not, something not being normal doesn't necessarily mean unhappiness. I like what you're talking about is that there is the comparison and with that comparison, do you think it's normal to have that normal comparison, like that normalcy comparison?
1: Yes, I I think it's normal and healthy to compare in a healthy way. So if mm. it's a difference between being inspired by someone and being threatened, threatened or competing mm. with someone. So to me... Any success that I've had, I give it, I give thanks to the people around me because Mm. people around me are being successful at being them, which inspires me, which may sometimes kind of look similar to what they're doing or it may look completely different. But if people around me are constantly trying to be better, you know, they say iron sharpens iron, it's Proverbs 23 people around you who are being successful it's inevitable that you'll be that you will be successful so to sit here to say that comparing just in general is bad that's not necessarily true but if you're comparing and you got any ounce of envy or jealousy because of someone else's success and you're not being inspired by it then that's the type of comparison that'll make you miserable because i mean i've always been curious to wonder why, like, why are people who don't have any money live in poverty happy? And why are people who have tons of money, aren't happy? And that question has always intrigued me. And I've noticed that a lot of people like to connect, okay, if I don't have any money, I'll be happy. So people try to act like they don't want money. They try to act like Money is evil, but to me, that didn't make sense. Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, I want to have money and be happy. (laughs) I I, no, seriously, I think that's I think that's perfectly fine. But the way we try to rationalize back to the normal that okay, people who are living in poverty are happier than people with money. And that's not the case. I just think it's the expectation that we attach to either or. And I don't think you have to choose either or money or happiness, you know? So back to that comparison thing, you have to be very, very careful with using what's been normal in your family, but also striving to do bigger and better things and whatever you desire, and you can create your new normal.
0: This kind of leads me to start thinking about an underlying tone or theme in your book. You say many times, about being uncomfortable or being comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yes. I'd like you to talk a little bit more about that because transferring, I mean, like we talked about, okay, we have the, the normal C that we grew up with. yeah. And, and as we evolve and start to become adults, we start comparing ourselves, which yep. begins that uncomfortableness. Yep. And as we try to, anytime we're stepping forward to make, a change or anything like that it's going to be uncomfortable. And yep. and I'd like to hear more about what you have to say with being comfortable with being uncomfortable.
1: Yes, I, that's one of my favorite things that I talk about in the book because it it applies to anyone and anything in life and I use a lot of sports analogy so I'll just use the weight room for example Okay. You know the reason you the reason you go to the gym is to resistance to find some type of resistance, whether it's lifting weights, whether you're running. You know you got to find resistance. You basically you're volunteering to be uncomfortable, right? Mm-hmm. You're yeah. volunteering to get your heart rate up. You're volunteering to exhaust your muscles to where they have to break down um, and build back up because you you know you're you're using them to the point to where they deplete all their oxygen. That's why you get the burn. But that's the only way to grow. Mm. You know, your muscles grow by breaking them down and rebuilding them up. They adapt. You break them down, they adapt. So that's why you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. The simple answer is to grow. Mm. That's the only way you can grow. If you're comfortable, if you're content, there's no stress, and stress can be good. There's good stress and there's bad stress. But I think one becomes the other simply by how you handle it. If you handle the stress well, then you'll grow from it. You'll learn from it. So I think my, my favorite quote uh, by the linebacker or defense, I'm sorry, J.J. Watt, one of the best DNs to ever do it, he says that success isn't owned success is leased and the rent is due every single day. So I love mm. that quote. I read it every single day when I wake up.
0: I, I, I love that too. It struck a chord with me instantly it, when I read it
1: that. It does, man. It does. And if if we approach life like that, all, it, all he's saying is never get comfortable. You got to pay the rent every single day. You can't buy greatness. You can't buy success. You can't buy happiness. You have to apply yourself and volunteer to be uncomfortable to earn that right to success, to earn that right to happiness. But I know people always say, you know, I go work out. I've been working out my whole life and people, a lot of people get the perception that it's easy. But what i realize realized is that it's easier to continue working out than it is to stop working out and start back working out so in my mind it's uncomfortable to go to the gym every single day there's nothing comfortable about it but in my mind i know that if i get comfortable for a little bit it's going to set me back three days versus if i just keep doing it and just keep the consistency of being uncomfortable, and that'll allow me to always grow, and um, just just getting used to that grind. I like to call it the grind. The grind. If you get used to the grind, then I think you can achieve anything because you you just you never get comfortable, and you're always thirsty and hungry for more.
0: I love it, uh, especially that J.J. Watt uh, quote.
1: Can, oh, we, yeah. can, can fact, you say Can you say that for me?
0: Yeah, go ahead.
1: I can. I got. Look at this. I got it. I got it on my. My American flag that was a gift. Success isn't owned. Success is leased, and rent is due every day.
0: That's beautiful. So what Paris is showing me, because uh, the listener can't see this, is you have a very large. It's um American flag that's on wood.
1: Yep, it was a wedding gift. For it was me. a
0: wedding gift, and that quote yep. is on the American flag. I love it. Yep, yes, I love sir. it. Uh, the next thing I kind of had a question about. Man, I, I don't want to try to put you on the spot, but it kind of seems like you have a beef with average people.
1: <laughs> uh, I'll put it this way. <laughs> I, I have a beef with me being average. Okay. and okay. And my thing is, I challenge, I think it's my obligation to challenge people to not accept average. So if I put the responsibility on myself, Um, I don't know if you watched the Michael Jordan, um, the last Dance series. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: One thing I I love studying great leaders. That's one of my favorite things to do. So one of the quotes that stuck with me from that uh, documentary, Michael Jordan said, I never asked my teammates to do anything I wasn't willing to do. So and I'm not comparing myself to Michael Jordan by any means. But what I'm saying is that the way I talk about average, people living an average life. The reason I harp on that so much in my book and I try to challenge people and I try to strike a nerve for people because it goes back to being comfortable. It's so easy to be average. And I say that in the the most sincere way. So for an example, if you got a job, you come to work on time. You do everything you're supposed to do, nothing more, nothing less. You'll you'll never get in trouble. You'll never hear anything bad about you. Oh, Paris, he come to work, he does his job, nothing more, nothing less. Boom. Now, in in and this is what I truly believe. You really should do more than what than you're paid for. If you do more than you're paid for then eventually you'll get paid more than what you're doing. You Hmm. can't, you can't become great by being average. You can't set out to, to fly the first airplane, being average, doing things that people have already done. You can't set out to take a spaceship to the moon, trying to only do what other people do. And, being average, it's a disservice to you. It's a disservice to the people who look up to you because we're all leaders in some extent. Somebody's looking up to you, somebody's looking up to me. and that one impression of you taking a shortcut or not doing what you're supposed to do and more, it becomes a, um, it becomes contagious. Average, becomes contagious average becomes contagious so i think it's our obligation and responsibility to try to become great mm. because kind of my set the bar high jump if you don't set that bar then you'll never clear that height so you you got to you got to give great effort to not fall into that comfortable average mentality which media mediocrity and me i just it just doesn't sit well with me man and and not to be long-winded but the last thing about this how do i put this just kind of lost my train of thought um um it'll come back to me it'll come back to me go ahead okay it'll come back to me i
0: i do have something uh where we can go here is so i'm living an average normal normal life I'm doing I'm doing everything you know uh, that my my upbringing kind of got me to believe that's the way to live all that kind of stuff I'm very average I'm just doing what I'm doing. I catch a glimpse of your book I see somebody reading it at, at work or something or you know somebody tells me to listen to this podcast I listen to it That's all fine and dandy but how do I get started? How do I go about, do implementing these things and doing what you're saying to do where what's, what's the best way for somebody to,
1: to get this type of mentality in motion. It's a great question. I think the first thing you have to do is study yourself, spend time with yourself. I think that's a very underrated thing. I went through some very dark and depressing years after football, between stop, between stop and playing, um, pursuing professional football I played a little indoor between that time and then trying to figure out my identity without football I was I was in a very dark place but the only way I took a step towards out of that dark place is by spending time and learning about myself and learning about myself without football was the biggest challenge there was I mean from the age 14 to the age, 25, 26, football took up so much of my life. I never had to sit down with myself face to face and ask that question, what else can I do? Or what else do I want to do? So by spending time with yourself, figuring out what it is that truly makes you tick, that's truly your passion. My passion just happened to be helping people i'm not going to do anything if i can't help somebody whatever job i do whatever i'm tied to whatever my name is on it has to be involved in helping people because that's my passion once you find that out opportunities things will start arising of what it is that you can take your gift which i like to call it your god-given gift and make a career out of it. Make it, get paid for it. You start doing these things, then you got to start writing a plan. You got to write goals. You gotta, you gotta envision it. You gotta read over your goals twice a day, in the morning, at night, until the point that you believe in it and you believe in it that it can happen. And then you just got to put the work in and have faith. You know, you got your long term goals. Then you got how your short term goals. Just like. When I wrote my book, you know, I would have a chapter. I want to have a chapter done by this month. I want to have two chapters done by this month. If you don't set those short-term goals, writing a book becomes overwhelming. And just like the title of my book, 365 Days of Happiness, people, the title title is a double-edged sword. Mm -hmm. The title, I know it can turn some people off because in their mind, they're like, Oh, this is some cheesy happiness. Who's happy every day?
0: <laughs> every day. That's,
1: yeah. Who's <laughs> right. who's happy every day? Unless you know me personally and you know that the book is deeper than the title, mm-hmm. then it's hard. I know it can turn people off, but in my mind, in my heart, that's what I wanted to call the book. But on the flip side of that, if, if 365 days of happiness is your goal, um, that's the only way you'll ever get close to it. Mm-hmm. But if you never aim to be happy every day, and I, I don't mean have a perfect day, but if you never aim to be happy every day, you'll never achieve it. So you 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 set the bar here. You always set the bar higher. You have a goal. You gotta raise it a little higher. You gotta you gotta raise it to uncomfortable. Mm. You set the bar, but then you you raise a little higher to be uncomfortable because you only reach for that if you set it. And if you don't set it high, you'll never achieve it. Nobody, you know, you don't, you don't, LeBron James doesn't become one of the greatest basketball players by aiming to be average. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't happen on accident. Greatness doesn't happen on accident. Happiness doesn't happen on accident. Success doesn't happen on accident.
0: I like what you said. You mentioned LeBron, but one of the other greatest, we've talked about Michael Jordan, now LeBron. Yep. One of the other greatest uh, you mentioned in the book about Kobe Bryant. He, oh, yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, I'm not a huge NBA follower, but you said he had the most shots
1: missed, but also most, was a scoring leader. Most field goals missed. I think that is the most. Intriguing statistic ever, because you know here the here Kobe Bryant is, um, God rest his soul, is one of the NBA scoring leaders, five-time NBA champion, champion, and arguably one of the top five greatest players ever. And he has the most shots missed.
0: Most shots missed.
1: Most and and it's I think it's so important to get that in people's mind as young as possible right because as adults as adults we become so self-conscious about how we look failing right Mm -hmm. we become so self-conscious of how we look failing or how we look you know going through adversity but if you can implement at a young age and even when you're older too it's just a harder habit to break if you can implement in our youth, in our younger generation that's going to be leading this world after us, if you can implement it in them to not be scared to fail, then they'll become great. Mm-hmm. Because most people don't succeed not because they fail, it's because they never try. Okay. And then, and then they, that leads to regret. So you got all these people You know, I think it's a, uh, is it Les Les Miles that says it? Uh, Les Brown, a motivational speaker, one of the greatest ever. He says the richest place is the graveyard because people die with all these dreams, all these things they never pursued because they were so scared to look silly and be a failure. You know, never, never be afraid to start something new and look stupid it will keep you hungry and it will keep you humble enough to try new things. And, you know, people, you know, you ever just meet one of those people that just, man, it just seemed like they can do everything. They, they try this. They did it first to volunteer to do stuff is because they are conditioned to not be scared to fail. And if you, if you have that mindset, you can achieve anything, even become one of the NBA greats.
0: Let me ask you I I'm having this thought right now that kind of goes along with this failure thing. And I love what you're saying, you know, don't, don't fear that failure. Okay. When you're trying, failures are going to happen, but without, without trying, there is no success. Correct. Right. So one thing that's extremely common goes hand in hand with failure is the criticism. How do we handle,
1: how do we handle the criticism? Oh yeah. Criticism was it's, it's one of the hardest things that took me a while to accept constructive criticism. So coming up in sports, I would overcompensate working hard and trying not to mess up so I wouldn't get criticized, mm. right? So that was my defense mechanism to get criticized. What I needed to learn was that you'll never play perfect. You'll never be perfect. And no one's perfect. So self-criticism is okay. And it really took me till I got to college to where, you know, in high school, you watched every game. You watched every game film and corrected things. Well, in college, you watch every practice and you watch every game. So if you can't take self-criticism, <laughs> then you got a you gotta problem. Seriously, you, you're going you're gonna to be, um, you're not going to be productive. If you can't, one of my coaches put it to me this way, I'm critiquing your performance, not you as a person. And once he put it that way, then self-criticism, I became, I, I started to welcome it. Like I... I I constantly go over things that I've done in the day, you know, in the year, in the month, And I self-criticize myself. I reached out for other people to criticize. I want to know because criticism can get you better. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, yes, you will get criticized by someone who doesn't know what they're talking about, but there's two things you can do with criticism. You can take it in or you can dump it out, but listening Will do you no harm if you just listen. It would do you no harm, and you might learn something.
0: One of the other things that you mention is—I'm uh, going to say it wrong, but I think once I try to get it out, you'll understand. Um, it's from one of your favorite books uh, from Napoleon Hill. It's uh, gathering a, a group of people to help you. What is yeah. it called? It's like the the ma- the Mastermind Alliance. The Mastermind Alliance,
1: take me there. Oh yeah, that's this is one of my favorite things to talk about. So Napoleon Hill was brought in the Mastermind Alliance um, by Andrew Carnegie, the um, big steel mogul. Um, so all the Mastermind Alliance is is a group at least at least two, preferably three to five. They they say is ideal, but at least two. You come together, you share each other's goals, you share each other's aspirations, and the only thing that other people can do is encourage you. The only thing they can do is encourage you and hold you accountable for when you come back and you meet again, You hold them, you hold that person accountable, you encourage them, and you do anything you can do to help them reach their goals. With that environment, so it's, it's biblical too. Um, I forget the scripture, but it says, We're two or more gathered, God is there um, with you. It's the same concept. So they're saying if there's two people, there's going to be a supernatural power there that can do things that you can't do normally alone, that you can do with somebody. So when I start realizing that, my greatest blessing, as I said to you earlier, my greatest blessing is the people around me. Mm-hmm. My mastermind alliance is so many people around me doing great things. It puts a pressure on me, Bob, that mm-hmm. I can't do anything less. I, well, I got to try. I, I have to try. So the people you hang around is more important than anything else because you can have the biggest dream ever but if your dream is not being fed with prayers and positive energy and encouragement by other people besides yourself because you're going to doubt you're going to have self-doubt when you have goals and dreams it took me four years to write that book but if i didn't have
0: well i think other people uh may doubt your dreams too for you this is true
1: but those aren't the people that's in your mastermind alliance.
0: Right. That's, that's what
1: I wanted you to say. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. So picking who's in your mastermind alliance, is everything, because you can't find a group of people where it's a whole bunch of successful people. And then it's a miserable failure that got all the excuses in the world. No, it's either a bunch of failures, miserable people with excuses, or it's a bunch of successful people that feed off each other And uh, people that aren't in competition with each other, they just help each other, reach each other goals, they support each other, and they're just as happy as you when you reach your goals. And that's special because that's when when you truly can accomplish anything. You can only go so far by yourself. Mm. And I, I truly believe that you can only go so far by yourself. That's why you need a mastermind alliance, as Napoleon Hill calls it.
0: Okay. Okay. So don't, you're not going to do it alone. Nope. And you're going to fail.
1: You're going to fail,
0: but you're going to keep trying.
1: Going to keep trying. Okay. Success is failure. Turn inside out. That's from a poem. Don't quit. Success is failure. Turn inside out. I love it. We got a lot of quotes going on today. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I love quotes. All right. Now, here's one thing. We did not talk about this before is uh, I have to give you some serious credit, Mr. Edwards. When I first met you, uh, how many years ago was this? Six, maybe six years ago?
1: Nope. Five years ago last month. Okay. So
0: five years ago. uh, One of the things I took to right away is you were an avid book reader. I noticed that and one of the things that I said to myself was I used to do that and you even talk about the used to's in your book and uh, I, I thought that you know I used to do that and let's fast forward to when did you first give me that book from Napoleon is probably is it a year ago two years ago? It might almost say, be two years ago.
1: I would say maybe about yeah, a year and a half, two years ago, if I yes. had to guess.
0: So we just kind of had a conversation uh, where I'm still caught up in that used to's, used to's. You know, oh, I used to be into this. I used to read this and I mm-hmm. used to be into this whole positive thought thing. And I did realize I said used to quite a bit. That still took me some time to probably another year uh, to get through things. And then... Um, beginning this year, uh, at the beginning of 2020, I was, I was already having a hard time. Uh, I think we'll, we'll just, I always, I said this in another, in another episode, like the elephant in the room is the pandemic. We're all aware of the pandemic. Okay. Like for sure. Okay. For that's sure. It. But, uh, I didn't start off 2020 in a, in a great place. I just kind of was down. I just wasn't where I wanted to be. So I've, tap into those used tos. Well, what did you used to do? What did you used to do? You know, and I grabbed that book that you had given me. I had started reading it. It's called, uh, what's the name of the book? It's Think and Grow Rich. Think and Grow Rich. By Napoleon Hill, right. So you had said, I like this book because it's really about that positive thinking. And uh, so I had started reading it, but at, at that point in time you gave it to me, I just wasn't prepared. I wasn't ready for it. I think maybe I kind of had some attachments to the the negativity that I was putting uh, on myself. And so it always sat on my bookshelf. I looked at it all the time. Like, I think this, there's something going on here. I know, I know Paris and I see how he presents himself. And if this is one of his favorite books I, at some point in time, I'm going to read this. And I got through, I, I picked another book that somebody else had, um, suggested when they were going through a hard, a hardship. And that was, um, the author is Leo Biscagula, uh, living, loving, learning. Uh, that is another book that I've tried to read more than once. And just, I, I was not prepared to let those positive things enter in my life. Fortunately for me, I got through living, loving, learning in January uh and it started it started okay okay I finally get through this book after i had, I had that book for years and I, I finally got all the way through it and I was inspired and I said what's the next book the one Paris Edwards gave me <laughs> they can, they can <laughs> you know, grow rich they can go rich um, <laughs> which really is not about wealthiness monetary no. cash that's not what no. rich that's not the rich it's talking about let's make that no nope. uh, so i so I get through that book and I will tell you, I was, I felt really good telling you, hey, Paris, I just, <laughs> <laughs> it's been a few years, but I just finished that book. Um, I remember, it, I remember. And then I, and, and you're still on my mind at this point in time. And I'm thinking, what would Paris be doing is reading another book. And uh, I, I grabbed another one. And so unknowingly, um I would say it was probably in June I realize I've read one book a month. Nice. and uh, nice. I in June in the middle of the year I start thinking let's do 12 for 12, 12 books in 12 months. I've I've never I've never done that in my life. Never read so many books. And it it's really life-changing. I mean, I just, I just got done telling you that I started January 2020 in somewhat of a dark place, just with the personal struggles and what's, what's going on in my mind and how I feel about things. And here I am, it led me to dive into those used tos, just acknowledging them and saying, okay, 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 you have these used tos and they were good for you then, we're going to detach a little bit and start some new things okay we're gonna do the i'm doing things not the used tos no more used tos we're doing the doings and I like it and and here i am doing a podcast <laughs> uh and talking to you and uh i really appreciate everything um i appreciate you being you because you being you help me be me
1: if that that's makes humbling it. man no, that's, I, I understand 100% what you're saying. That's humbling. Right. And thank you for being you. I mean, because by you being you, I'm sitting here having this conversation with you. And I remember when you first brought this podcast up. And And again, back to the Mastermind Alliance, the only thing that feels better than achieving something is watching somebody else achieve something. And when you, when you hear, for for you to take a thought and make it a podcast, to me, that says everything about you, because you were bold enough to say it. You were bold enough to think it. You were brave enough to speak it to me. Which that that holds you accountable.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: That holds you accountable.
0: And I For knew most, you would hold me accountable.
1: And I, I know you knew that. I know <laughs> you knew that. But to just see that happen, man, I mean, it just gave me goosebumps just saying it. It, it Nothing feels better. Nothing mm-hmm. feels better than that. And I, I, another quote, ironically, become more to give more. Become more to give more. I try to make that my theme because... I could become rich. I could become famous. I could become whatever, whatever you want to call success, whatever. But if I become all that or you become all that, you don't give that to somebody else. You don't give somebody the game that got you there. You don't give somebody else your time. You don't give somebody else your what you struggle with. Even though all they see is the success, if you don't give and give and give, I mean, that's when you have millions and you're miserable. Because that's when you're depressed, even though, quote unquote, you're successful. So honestly, man, just to witness that, that's a pleasure for me. And I'm gonna just say it on your podcast. I'm proud of you.
0: Thank you, Paris. Thank you very much. Absolutely, it means a lot. It means a lot. Well, at this point, uh, we've we've uh, expressed our love for each other, <laughs> no, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, maybe we have a little bit of a bias, uh, but I, I, we've uh, we have really accomplished quite a bit at this point in time. Uh, do you think? there's anything else that we've left out or anything that you would like to uh, talk about again as a second opportunity just to make sure we we let people know um, I'd like to point out that we really haven't said the word happiness very much have we
1: oh we really haven't
0: <laughs> you know uh, I think what we've been talking about is is the goods the process absolutely the process you know absolutely. I, I think it's safe to say that we both, are happy right now in this moment. Yes, and we shared that with each other, and that's and that's beautiful. And hopefully, the listener uh, respects that that beautiful moment. Uh, Absolutely. So, I, I that's just kind of coming to my head right now. Like we have not said the word happiness very much, and right. I'm, I'm here to talk about your book that says 365 days <laughs> of happiness. What we right. talked about is the process, right? So, uh, this is your opportunity. Uh, you know, uh, you take the stage again. If you have anything else that you think is important uh, before we sum things up, do you have anything that you'd like to add?
1: I mean, it's, it's really, it's really pretty short and sweet. Happiness is perception and happiness is trying to find ways to dispense happiness to others. So it's nothing more important than taking care of yourself first. Like that that's one thing I don't want people to get um, confused. You got to take, you have to take care of yourself. Like mm-hmm. you really do, but you have to get to a point to where taking care of yourself is a given whatever you need for your mental and your physical. That's what you need to do. Whether you need to wake up, Go to the gym, eat a healthy breakfast every day, read, listen to music. You got to have time for yourself. You got to have time for yourself. But nothing is going to make you happier than dispensing happiness to others. Oh. And once you can stop focusing on yourself so much, once you can stop focusing on the end goal, the, the, the bigger things just focus on the little ways that eventually uh, make a bigger difference. Mm-hmm. And again, it's, it's hard not to mention the process again, is yeah. c- because it is, it is in the process. Once you can focus and be in the present of those things, because I think we, for some reason, we, we live in a culture to where we chase happiness and we, mm-hmm. we, we try to like create it in a sense, like it's something that's outside of us, or you know, when I get that job or
0: a destination. When I get
1: married, yeah, the destination is overrated. The the destination is so overrated. Like wherever you're at right now, meet your meet yourself where you're at right now. It's not fair to you to try to compare where you're at to where you're not. Like that's not fair. That's that's not that's stressful. Most mm-hmm. of the time, when we stress, it's over something that's already happened, or it's over something that hasn't happened yet. Right. And when the when the the future and the past is constantly tugging you, it's hard to find happiness in them, or to create and attract happiness in the midst of that. Happiness is not something that's somewhere that you're not. It's intrinsic, and and once we can learn to take care of ourselves and do as much as we possibly can to help others and not focus so much on ourselves and not have self-pity for ourselves, then we can all lend a hand and help each other. And I think the, the, the world would just be a better place that way if we all just focus on how we can help somebody. And it don't have to be nothing huge. It don't have to be nothing you know, big. Everybody are, can help at some level you you can do some kind of giving with what you got um you know we're we're all blessed in our own ways and we all can bless others i think if we really wanted to
0: very well said paris thank very you very well said if uh if anybody would like to contact you or uh grab a hold of a copy of your book uh what's the best way they could do that
1: um you can follow me on facebook and instagram paris devon um, same as Twitter. Um, if you want to buy my book, you can go to my website, 365 Days of Happiness. That's the number 365 days spelled out of Happiness.org. org You can buy the book on there. You can buy the book off Amazon or you can contact me at my email. Paris Devon, P-E-R-P-E-R-I-S-D-E-V ohn365 at gmail.com. I can bring you a copy, uh, whatever is easiest for you. And I'd like to thank everyone for supporting my book in advance.
0: Absolutely. Um, I'll do anything I can for you. Uh, at, like I said, it's it's a great read. It's helped me. Um, it sits on my bookshelf It's and it's not on the side where I haven't read it yet. That sits on the, <laughs> the side where it, the, the books that have been read. Uh, uh, so once again, Paris, thank you so much for taking time out and, uh, entertaining all of us, the listeners and myself with your, your, with your wise words and your, your gentle kindness. I really, my pleasure. Thanks for
1: having me, man. I had a blast.
0: Absolutely. We can have you again uh, when you write a book about sadness. Sounds good. <laughs> okay, hopefully that never happens, but well, maybe it will. But It'll okay, sell
1: more. <laughs> I
0: mean, you never know. Maybe maybe we have a business opportunity here. So, oh, man. all right. Thank you again,
1: and
0: right, thanks for thanks for listening, everybody. In closing, raise that bar. Be comfortable with being uncomfortable. This is what I needed to hear today. I hope that you heard something that you needed to hear also. Paris loves quotes, so I will close quoting him. It's a great day to have a great day. Thank you for listening to This
1: Is Your Normal.